0: Welcome to Say Something Nice, the weekly music discussion show on United to the Moose, where Griffin and Anthony, uh, we recommend each other an album each week that the other has not heard. Uh, And then we attempt or don't attempt to say something nice. It really depends on how we feel, I suppose. Uh, It's usually an attempt to say something nice. It's usually. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I'm not good at not saying something nice. So (laughs) the name really works out. Yeah, Um, exactly. But we're back. Uh, happy Labor Day! Hope you hope you're <laughs> all laboring, day. having a good time. <laughs> uh, having a,
1: a light labor.
0: <laughs> um, it's been a couple of weeks, but we're back uh, at the university as much as we can be, and we're yeah. excited to bring to be bringing the show back on an actual regular weekly basis now. Yeah, um, deeply exciting. <laughs> We recommended each other this week some of our favorite albums of 2020. Uh, I recommended Griffin, the album Shall We Go On Sinning So That Grace May Increase by The Soft Pink Truth. And Griffin, what did you recommend to me? Yeah, I recommended uh, Anthony, my
1: dear friend and colleague, uh, Peaceful As Hell by the duo Black Dresses.
0: Um, we're going to go ahead and get started here with The Soft Pink Truth first, so I'll go ahead and bring that in. Uh, The Soft Pink Truth is Drew Daniel, uh, one half of the electronic duo Matmos, which is definitely more famous than the Soft Pink Truth. Uh, The side project kind of started in 2003 uh, after Drew was dared by Matthew Herbert to make a house record because he didn't think he could do it. Uh, Since then, Drew Daniels released five albums under the name The Soft Pink Truth, uh, and two of them are actually cover albums. Ah, uh, 2004's uh, Do You Want the New Wave or Do You Want the Soft Pink Truth is a full album of house covers of classic punk songs. In uh, 2014's Why Do the Heathen Rage uh, is a cover album of black metal tracks. Uh, this album kind of plays out in two different movements. There's Shall We Go On Sinning and So That Grace May Increase. Uh, it's mostly an amb- ambient album, but there mixes in like a lot of techno and micro house uh, as well with that kind of ambient vibe, uh, there's a chorus of vocals that contribute uh, to the majority of the album, uh, which those vocals come from Colin Self, Angel uh of Dirty Projectors, um, and uh, Yana Hunter. Uh, they show up continuously throughout this album, but there's a ton of other collaborators on here too, but uh, for time's sake and for my own sake, I'm not gonna go through all of them. Uh, This album was kind of made as a response to the rise of fascism around the globe, but instead of trying to make just angry, reactionary um, music, uh, Drew decided to make an album that kind of expressed joy and gratitude as a response to this, instead of just the anger that typically gets thrown out. Um, So the result here is kind of a a common Transportive album uh, that at least Puts me in a really Nice relaxed uh, Just kind of zoned out space But uh, Griffin I want to know what you think of this album Yeah I thought this was
1: A really beautiful record Um, I'm so glad that you uh, Went through the Vocalist right at the beginning because there are A lot of sort of uh, Offhand vocalizations throughout the album um, Which I think the first note that I have here is just wondering who the uh, vocalist was throughout <laughs> most of it because they sound so lovely and hearing that it was the uh, the one singer from Dirty Projectors, that makes a lot of sense because it sounds so familiar to me as well. And that is a band that I've, I'm not like a huge Dirty Projectors fan, but I've, you know, listened to their stuff in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, this was, record was a lot different than I expected it to be going in. Um, and I don't know how much of that was... So I, I've known of The Soft Pink Truth, but I think this was my first time going into a full-length project by, um, by that uh, like sort of uh, mononym or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, coming from it from the perspective of only really being familiar with Matt Moss's work, I expected it to be, I, I guess, just via the title and sort of cover and uh everything i expected it to be like a much darker uh listen um but it wasn't and that that (laughs) swept me like right off my feet immediately the first track you get uh shall um these like very like kind of lush uh vocals just repeating the the title um and i think those are the only lyrics throughout the record if memory serves um and uh, even that, like, was an unexpected start because it's not, it's a little, uh, unnerving isn't the right word, but it's a little dissonant in a way, but it's not immediately dark. And then from there you go right into the track "We," which is like a bubbly sort of, uh, I, I think that's where you see some of the house influence on this project, because even though it is much more inspired by ambient works i think there are flourishes where there are like like you said like bits of sort of a typical techno sound or um or like house music uh specifically and and, in a track like that um and one of the things that i really loved about this album was how it for an ambient record and i still would put this firmly within the genre of of ambient music largely but it does build a lot like it is very structured at different points um whereas i feel like a lot of ambient records don't do that as much is that would you agree you're more like
0: familiar with that
1: (laughs) genre than i am
0: yeah absolutely it's not as stagnant as Mm. a lot of ambient tends to be i mean the tracks here the longest song is only six minutes long uh and the shortest is two and a half so you really have short songs there's only nine tracks here Uh, which for an ambient release is very like just super short songs Um, yeah but that um, yeah no I definitely agree with you uh, that it builds a lot more than some ambient tends to do and I think that really uh, just comes down to the wide array of influences that are present on this album and really like like you said, it is a ambient album, but I think the biggest moments on the album really come from uh, the different influences of ambient techno and micro house uh, that are present here.
1: Yeah, there are really like triumphant moments on this album. I, I In my notes as well, I put uh, around the halfway point, I think around track uh, four or five, somewhere around there. Yeah, track four. I uh, thought that this would be, like, a really great soundtrack record, almost. Because, like, especially something about uh, track four, which is on uh, all of the tracks on here, are named after a, a specific word from the title. <laughs> uh, so, it like, it's hard to differentiate for me. Mm-hmm. But um, track uh, four on here, it's very good at building a mood, like, in, in a way that great soundtracks are. And I think I was um, listening to the... Uh, soundtrack that on a tricks point never did for uh, uncut shems the other day and i think that's a really excellent soundtrack as well and I which think i always that... forget
0: they did and it's always hilarious yeah it's... That i remember that but
1: <laughs> it's 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 really excellent uh but i uh, i love that soundtrack a lot and it, it, parts of this reminded me of of that work and and just like other great soundtracks that i've heard i'm not like a huge soundtrack guy generally either but i think when one is good it's noticeable in in a movie whether Mm -hmm. rather than one that's just serviceable and this is good enough to where like um because it's you know not a soundtrack obviously but it feels like and maybe that's to the extent that it is so good um it stands alone like as its own thing it doesn't feel like it is built to service something entirely so while i said that like i think that he could do really excellent soundtrack work this album like fully stands on its own uh just what it is even as sparse as it is at points
0: yeah definitely and i'm kind of glad that you brought that up just in general uh, to kind of say that that's what uh draws me to a lot of ambient music and a lot of my favorite ambient releases are definitely would serve as great soundtracks um but for me, I think what makes it seem like it would be such a good soundtrack is, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, that transportive nature uh, and that mood setting. That for me, on all of my favorite ambient releases, uh, takes me to like a almost a physical space, and it's not necessarily. Um, like it transcends just being mood music or something like this album for me uh just transports me and takes me to more of a physical space uh which for me is either just like on a beach which is definitely just because of those like water noises that are included right around i think it's also on sinning yeah i Uh, believe you're right track five here, right at the halfway point. Um, But it's kind of like the, specifically the use of delay on this Mm. album uh, makes me feel like my, not that my head's spinning, but it's kind of circling uh, and that I'm kind of just gently oscillating back and forth while being uh, just like slowly moved through a light show or something is the, physical space that this album puts me into Uh, but that's kind of what I really enjoy about this album is that uh, it takes you through so many different moods but the whole time it just kind of feels like you're experiencing uh, either a movie or a show or just any kind of visuals and it kind of tells a story along the way
1: yeah and this is a very ambitious record too in that all of these tracks directly connect uh with one another it's like a full composition uh like i think you mentioned uh, briefly in the introduction and like around or maybe toward the end i thought how excellent it would be to see this album performed live not as like a uh, soft pink truth like electronic show but like I would love to see like a full orchestra performance <laughs> of this record. Um, it, Cause there are moments on here where it, going back to like that sort of oscillating and, and uh, how things kind of uh, loop and repeat and everything and, and the delay. Um, it's, th- there was a moment on here, and I can't remember the track. It might've been sinning as well. Now that I'm thinking of it, where it starts out as live instrumentation, but after a point, I think it starts to like loop a, a specific section and, and repeat it. And I couldn't tell exactly when that happened and what was being added new to the loop. And I thought that was like really genius. And I th- think that would be such a cool thing to see in a live perspective, especially if there were, if it was like sort of a combination of like orchestral performance and electronic show where you could have like uh, someone on there, like making like live loops as the, band is playing and everything i don't know i was Mm -hmm. again it was just the kind of thing of like i think there's a lot to really admire in this album uh, which is another reason that i'd love to see it get played live because i think there is a lot going on here that it's hard for me to appreciate at least on first listen Mm -hmm. um because i and i do plan on going back to this record because i really did enjoy it but um at first there are moments where there's like a dizzying amount of of stuff going on, Uh, not in a way that seems like overcrowded or anything production wise, but just, I want to appreciate this more than it feels like I can at one listen, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. This is something uh, I was like you. I really enjoyed this first listen, but just as I've come back to it every single time, it just seems to grow on me even more. Um, but on your note of wanting to see this played live, first of all, I 100% agree, but that's actually kind of one of the things that I think Drew Daniels is going for on this album is he kind of wanted it to feel more like a like a live DJ set or like an in, live improv session uh, instead of just like a studio album. He really wanted that like communal energy to come through. Uh, but I just want to say that I really agree with you that I want to see this live, but less so that I want to like be there and have this album performed to me. But I think uh, the way that I differ on you or differ from you is that I want to see a really well curated light show or something, just some Uh, sort of visual to go along with this album, I think would just be absolutely incredible. Yeah,
1: and I hope that whenever, um, I, I don't know how much, because uh, I, I don't even know how much Matmos tends to, to tour with their music, so I don't know how much uh, Drew does as Soft Pink Truth specifically, um, but hopefully once all this is over, that would be something that he at least considers, because yeah, I think this is a an absolutely fantastic record, and I think it would find a lot of new Life in in something like that, like a laser light show or, or something mm-hmm. uh, akin to that, that could make it like a, a new piece of art entirely uh, when performed in a live setting. Um, I uh, did want to say as well that uh, oh shoot, what what did I want to say? I'm losing it. <laughs> uh, no, nah, it's gone. Never mind. <laughs> um, the uh, the most ambient moments on this album uh i would say th- there are, are sparser more ambient moments throughout like uh the third track go which i think is the, sh- the shortest track on here which is uh largely made of bells um b- bell sounds and, and different uh things like that but beyond uh, those moments the longest i should say stretch of of straight ambience is going to be like track six and seven uh which are so that in uh (laughs) respectively and uh those at first i was kind of let down isn't really the right word but it felt like a sort of wasted opportunity for me at a moment because this was such an exciting record up until that point where i thought it was playing with the tricks of of ambient music uh really well and then where six and seven just kind of seem to languish in standard ambience um but then i think that those tracks really go to accentuate the absolutely killer ending which kind of is in two phases with the tracks grace and may increase Um, because grace starts out as well pretty ambient but it, it it builds so incredibly and has such an amazing drop where it becomes like at the very end like an almost uh, m83 style uh, electronica (laughs) song and it was something so unexpected and something so grandiose for the ending that i was just left like with my jaw on the floor like i was just very wowed by the way that this album ended and i think if it had continued building on uh consistently the way that it had within like the first five tracks it wouldn't have struck me quite as much so i ended up appreciating those two more ambient tracks kind of um in retrospect mm-hmm. but uh yeah i just i wanted to talk about that ending because i think it's an absolutely incredible ending to this record which is something again that i don't really ever expect from from an ambient release mm-hmm. um even from most uh, electronic releases i would say uh but this one i think is it really i think the ending is like an absolute triumph
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I think that uh, that small criticism of so and that being uh, a little slower and not as interesting makes a little bit more sense. Whenever you think about how this album was supposed to be consumed and thought about where those first five tracks, Shall We Go On Sinning, are grouped as one uh, section of the album and the second section is So That Grace May Increase. And whenever you separate them that way, it kind of makes a lot more sense instead of saying, well, there were all these tracks before that were more exciting, and then these two are <laughs> not as exciting. Yeah. I think it makes more sense to just, uh, whenever you think about it as two separate pieces as opposed to nine songs straight well, through. That's, and that's interesting. Th- that is what I was going to say earlier
1: when the, the thing that I forgot was, hearing about the ideas behind this album how it was a response to the rise of fascism you know nationally i found that to be really interesting because this is clearly an album that has a lot to say but it also has the limitation of not saying anything in a very literal sense Mm -hmm. but even that title that title is very evocative and so like i i I generally try to go into these uh, doing as little research as possible for the albums that you suggest to me. Cause I want to, you know, have it just kind of structured as a conversation. Um, but I would really be interested in reading up more on what he has said about the making of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did, I, I i forgot entirely that you mentioned that it was supposed to be in two parts and that does make that make a lot more sense to me. Cause yeah. It, and it's like, that's another thing that to me equates it with like a live, uh performance is it it feels like there would be like an intermission there or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so interesting. It's almost and I'm not a big classical guy either, So I, I don't know if that um, sort of simile is, is out of pocket. You are more into classical than I am as well. Uh, but I, w- would you say that this album is inspired by that sort of style of uh, music as well as that kind of like live improvisational uh, style?
0: Yeah, definitely to to an extent, I would say. Uh, there's definitely just like the way that these, like whenever you split them up into two 20-minute songs, like the way that it flows, it's a much longer uh, kind of release cycle uh, of each different part coming in, which uh, makes me attribute it a little bit more to classical with the slow changes in the song as opposed to the real quick, like, uh, broken up songs that we're used to now. Um, but we're going to have to move on a little bit here. Uh, just to put it out there, if you do want to read more about the making of this album, uh, The Quietest has an interview with Drew Daniels on their website uh, in regards to this album. But uh, with that, I'm going to have to ask for some of your, some quick closing thoughts here.
1: Yeah, so uh, to close out, this was an absolutely stellar listen to me. Uh, one that I almost skipped. It was one that was suggested to me like way earlier in the year, uh, or maybe I just found it online. I don't actually quite remember. But, uh, you know, being an ambient listener, I'm not a huge ambient guy, uh, like I've said multiple times. Um, it was something that I just almost skipped over because there was a lot of music that I'd fallen behind on at that point. And I'm really glad that, uh, upon your suggestion, I went back and took a second look at this because I, I think. Like, genuinely, it might be one of my favorite listens of the year, uh, easily. Uh, at least one of my favorite electronic listens of this year. Um, so yeah, I, I fully recommend this album to anyone to anyone listening uh, who may be interested in any of the things that we were talking about regarding it.
0: And uh, what are we going to be hearing?
1: Uh, we're going to be hearing the track Grace, uh, the penultimate track, a uh, track that I feel like surmises everything that this record does really well in uh in a six minute
0: length wonderful well uh (laughs) here is the song grace by the soft pink truth uh off their latest album shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase on you 92 the moose Uh, we'll be right back with more of say something nice
1: Welcome back. You are listening to "Say Something Nice" right here on U92 The Moose. Uh, we just talked about uh, the Soft Pink Truth album. Shall we keep? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Had to relook at that title. <laughs> we are about to talk about the newest Black Dresses record, "Peaceful as Hell." Uh, let me uh, allow me to introduce it really quickly. This record came out. Very uh, fairly early into the year. I want to say around April. I'm not actually positive of the original release date off the top of my head. I should have gotten that information. April but 13th, the, uh, good job. April 13th, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it is the fourth and purportedly final album from the Toronto based noise pop duo Black Dresses. Uh, this act, if you're not familiar, made up of Ada Rook and Dave, uh, Devi McCallion, um, both from Canada. They are or were, I suppose, a noise-pop duo um, founded on the internet, basically. Uh, around 2017, they just kind of started DMing one another about music and stuff. They were, they were working in uh, their own solo ventures and came together. Uh, within that short time, they released four full-length albums and two EPs, along with a handful of singles and covers, uh, kind of blowing up very quickly. Uh, perhaps a bit (laughs) too quickly uh, as the band did break up just a few months after this album released uh, citing um, sort of pressure put on them by fans and various harassment faced by the the two lead members Uh, so kind of a a, a sad-ish ending to the Black Dresses phenomena, but I feel like this record is a fantastic send-off, probably my favorite album of the year so far. Uh, With that being said, uh, Anthony, what did you think about this record?
0: I enjoyed it. Um, I went into this album being a fan of Black Dresses. Um, I've been aware of them since early last year, 2019, uh, since they released Thank You. Uh, which I loved. It was definitely a highlight of 2019. Um, and I also loved their other album, Love and Affection, shortening the title there. Uh, <laughs> intentionally,
1: short, yeah. intentionally shortening, shortening the, the title. Yeah.
0: Um, I also love that album. Their, like last 2019, Black Dressages had an absolutely fantastic year. Uh, and I fell in love with the group, uh, along with a couple of our friends uh, as well.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely took me a, a little while to get on the, um, the hype train, as it were, for this band. Uh, <laughs> they, they were not... I think I just kept putting off uh, listening to them practically because once I did listen to Love and Affection, Title Shortened, um, I, I really did love that record immediately, but I was uh, a little behind. I was not um, an early adopter, as it were.
0: So, yeah. I mean, I, I went in already really liking Black Dresses and I really enjoyed this album as well. Uh, but from the get go, this album is a lot less in your face than their other two, at least in my opinion. It's been a while since I've listened to those. So I'm, I apologize for any kind of like misrepresentations of their previous work that I'm putting on here. Uh, this album is less in your face than their previous albums. Uh, which for me is a little bit sad if you've been following this show for any amount of time, <laughs> by now you realize that I kind of really love noisy music. Um, so that was a little sad for me, this not being quite as in your face because I loved the sound of the two albums they put out last year. Um, those ones are just like super abrasive pop songs. Uh, and for me it was incredibly cathartic to listen to. Uh, but with this album, even though it's not necessarily a apparent if you haven't like spent a lot of time with their with the rest of their music, but I feel like they did a little bit of a shift here. Uh, And kind of focused more on uh, like mixing different genres together and focusing on some of like the more like core metal genres, like metalcore and stuff like that, uh, and just like rock in general. And definitely more, uh, there's still a lot of digital elements on this album, and I would still say most of it is uh, like a digital aesthetic that's going on here um but there's a lot more guitar work from my memory on this album. yeah
1: there, there's definitely a few tracks on this record that i, I would say are very guitar focused mm-hmm. even uh, there are definitely black dresses albums in the past that use sort of rock instrumentation but i would never say that it was the focus instrumentally of any of their tracks before this whereas on this one it's not the core focus throughout the record, but there are a few different tracks where it is the, um, the the main sounds that they're playing with are sort of in the core standard rock setup.
0: Yeah, which was interesting for me because I haven't gotten too into the various metalcore subgenres, um, but I have a really good friend who loves that style of music and everything that he's ever showed me... Uh, Like it's always really enjoyable if you're getting like a good curated selection of that style of music because I know it has a lot of bad connotations with it as well. Um, But Black Dresses does a really good job of just like taking that and, like, it's tough because I I don't want to come across as uh, like putting this entire album into that metalcore various subgenres, because that's really like i'm really digging deep and kind of like reaching for that uh yeah, comparison I, a little bit yeah um but i think they do a good job of taking some elements of that genre and kind of updating it for this hyper digital age at the moment
1: certainly for for me it's a focus i think that that change comes in with a focus less on straight distortion and noise and more on taking those elements and fine tuning them into a more, slightly more accessible Mm -hmm. uh, pop format than they were before. I I think they had been trending in that direction. I think um, this album shares the most similarities to love and affection uh, compared to something like waste isolation, which I think is a much harsher listen. but uh, I, I can see how you would draw those comparisons being that a lot of the sort of popular new metal and, and different core metal core genres do kind of similar things, right? Where they take those very harsh noises and put them into like a slightly more mainstream perspective um, mm-hmm. from a, a, a lyrical and structural perspective. Uh, the lyrics are, I think, on this album where that would comparison would would end i feel like the lyrics are are very dissimilar from what you would typically hear in a uh
0: a standard uh mm. metalcore type track right there are a lot and uh i'm glad i, w- I wanted to get to the lyrics right after this so mm. thanks for giving that good <laughs> transition <laughs> but yeah, yeah. um but yeah no i totally agree it has a lot it uh doesn't have that classic melodrama that some of those styles of music uh kind of come with sometimes that healthy uh healthy layering of cheese on top um mm-hmm. uh, but this album uh you've always been able to hear it before in the music with how much uh, just like pain and catharsis that Devi and Rook are getting from this music um like from creating this music you can really tell yeah. that they're they're releasing so much emotion with each of these tracks but with this album as opposed to what they put out last year um they uh i can't say whether or not they focused on the lyrics more but the lyrics are more upfront because they're more coherent like you can understand them a lot more in the context of the record instead of having to look at them previously it was always you could feel the emotion Because but it was so blown out that you couldn't always understand what they were saying. And on this album, I feel like the lyrics, as opposed not as opposed to the music, but in addition to the music, are more of a central focus. Um, But I really love a lot of the themes that go through this album, mostly just dealing with like uh, abuse and trauma and depression. And the big thing, there's a couple of songs in the middle, tracks five, six, and seven. Uh, I think it's uh, I'm a Freak Because I'm Always Freaked Out, Bliss and Stupidity, and Mirror Girl. All deal with that, with the theme of just wanting to be accepted. uh, Yeah. Which was really interesting. And they just had like a really good take and like a really, uh, they were such personal takes on the topic uh but just something that is relatable for so many people uh and they just do a really good job of uh contextualizing those feelings that so many people experience
1: yeah it is it's a very empathetic record i would say um from a lyrical perspective it is all about you know, the sort of want to be accepted and the sort of, I think what goes through this, um, through various songs like Beautiful Friendship or the uh, final track 666 or something like that, where it's just the, like you said, the catharsis that this music gives them. I think is just kind of said blatantly within the page where it's like, you know, they, they were and are uh, still really great friends, just making music together. And I feel like that was the escape that they're seeking on like so many of these other tracks throughout the record uh, you know, where they're needing to feel um, accepted or or otherwise feel outcast uh, by society at large. But there are these pockets of like intense positivity throughout it as well um or like on a song please be nice which is literally just kind of asking people to have general empathy for one another uh fans
0: didn't listen to
1: yeah yes just putting Uh, it out there (laughs) it is it's such it's so strange that um the the band would and we can we can talk briefly about the uh the breakup if you want to. Cause I think that was a huge thing in the shadow of this album, which was their biggest record to date. Um, mm-hmm. It's so interesting how quickly they had blown up. Cause like I said, they'd both been working on their respective music projects and uh, were probably known in, in smaller band camp circles, but, and I know I for one heard uh, Debbie McCallion's name uh, before I'd heard uh, uh, any black dresses work, but um, it's, Interesting how quickly they blew up, and how it seems like the the like a VH1 Behind the Music special or something almost. Like they they, I think it's really unfortunate. They it does seem like they got too big for their own good too quickly, um which is always a thing that I hate to see happen because I I love to see the acts that I like get the attention recognition that they deserve, but it was, you know, it, it's just where they were coming from as creators and the start of the audience that they were getting were not, uh, synchronous to me, it feels like. And it it led to this sort of disconnect between how their fans sort of started to become entitled and expected them to act a certain way, uh, which just isn't what they were (laughs) trying Mm -hmm. to do, uh, within their, their creative spaces, you know?
0: Right. And I mean, at this point, I'm going to start kind of shifting away for the album a little bit. I hope we get back to it soon, but yeah, yeah. it's always so interesting to me that, uh, these fans of this ultra DIY music feel such an entitlement to that music and feel like they have a say over what the artist does, because it's like, obviously these people aren't making music for their fans because they started without any fans, right? And I know Black Dresses has said before when they st- like when they made Waste Isolation, nobody listened to it aside from like a couple. I think like Noisy and Stereo Gum put it out there mm. uh, as like we enjoyed this, but like it didn't get anywhere near the attention that this album did, um, which. I don't know. It's always just crazy to me that these people who you, you would think would understand why these people are creating this music, uh how they would feel just such how they would feel like they have such control uh over what the artist should be doing. But that's that's just my own
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> It is just a very unfortunate end, and I'm glad that they are still making music in their own respective spaces. Um, And like I said, I am glad that they went out with this album because for my money, and and you may very well feel differently, but I think this is their best, uh, like, release to date. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's their most fully realized release. Uh, And how you were talking about the... um, specifically how the vocals were mixed in this record compared to other ones. I just think the mixing is full stop better throughout. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's,
1: it's so, for as noisy and, and abrasive and, and you know the different sounds that they're working with here, it is so listenable and nothing gets lost in the mix. It's all present, but it's not mm-hmm. over cluttered at the same time. It's It's a very difficult balancing act to pull <laughs> off, I feel like. And I, they, they make it look easy, you know, on this record, uh, which is still wild to me that it was just fully produced. It was still a fully DIY project within their own uh, spaces, done mostly over uh, the internet, probably. Is that uh, how I believe they recorded most of their work as black dresses? Um, so yeah, it's just kind of astounding how just how good it sounds. <laughs> um, not that they weren't always... Uh, working like that, but I think you can see a natural progression from the four albums they released. Like I think each one was better than the last or -hmm. at least expanding upon the last in a new and different way.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I don't, I think uh, there's a really nice progression of this group. And I think that the fact that this is not my favorite Black Dresses album, but... uh, I'm not gonna argue with anyone who says this is their favorite Black Dresses album. And the fact that they've been able to have that progression where this album is very different from any album they've done before, and so is everything else that they've done. Like, I remember after I heard Thank You, I went back and listened to Waste Isolation and i honestly couldn't even believe that it was the same group and i've kind yeah. of felt that with every single album like it's just felt they've had such a growth with each release and they've had um they've just like really kind of figured their stuff out as they've gone along but that isn't um like even though that is true it doesn't hurt my own impression of their earlier albums i don't think anything sounds under like under thought out or something like everything still feels super complete and everything. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Going on what you said about you feeling like this is their most realized. um, I think, again, I'm probably going to agree with that. Uh, And it always comes down to the thing. Like I'll always say, I think that peaceful as hell by black dresses is their best album, but it's not my favorite. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so, um, I definitely agree. It's their most fully realized. The lyricism on this album is absolutely incredible. And I'm glad that you pointed out 666, because that is in my opinion, the best lyricism on the album. Hmm. Uh, but the uh, this album's more consistent, uh, but for me, it doesn't really have the high moments that, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, thank you is my favorite Black Dresses release. And it doesn't have the high moments uh, that thank you had.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think that, I mean, I think that uh, it's really tough for me to make these kinds of generalizations off of a couple lessons. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this is definitely something I'm going to be coming back to yeah, because easily. I, I just know there's so much more that I can get out of this album,
1: and it is so so listenable. Also, like I, I feel like something that we maybe haven't accentuated enough in this is that, like, despite everything about it, this is like a pop record. Like, there are like <laughs> killer hooks on this, like like scream along choruses and stuff. It, it'll forever ruin me that I never got to experience a, a Black Dresses live show, because I think that would be just an amazing experience. Uh, because, like, I don't know, man, the hooks on this record are so infectious, and to be in a room of, like, you know, hundreds of people just screaming every word would be just an
0: excellent experience, I think. (laughs) Absolutely, and that's honestly, like, um, something that I've always loved about Black Dresses is that um, even though their previous releases are far less, uh, like... Generally listenable and like accessible mm-hmm. for different uh, groups of people, but they've always just had that—not uh, accessible. Or, uh, they've always had such a catchiness to so many of their songs, and their choruses are just so good. All of their hooks are just—or not all of their hooks, but like they have so many hooks that are absolutely incredible and will get stuck in your head. Yeah. Um, to get into a couple of closing thoughts here, um, I really loved this album. As mm. I've said, uh, the in like there's some just fantastically intense moments all throughout this record, um, with a lot of that catharsis coming through of like some of my favorite emo or metalcore music or even just noise music and stuff like the releases on here uh, like at the end of Angel Hair when that noise comes in at the end of the track it's just absolutely it, it, it's flooring especially because it's coming off of those first two songs which are a lot calmer they it starts off a lot calmer than their previous releases. yeah absolutely like,
1: there are very calm songs on here something almost akin to ballads from them mm-hmm. also
0: yeah. yeah absolutely and so like the uh the more laid-back nature of this album does end up meaning that those really hard-hitting moments just hit that much harder. Um, with, the, or not with that, but like, additionally, I really like how thematic this album is and just the general flow overall of this entire project because I think it, it flows a lot better than... Their previous releases, hands down. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wish the pacing was just a little bit better because I think mm. it's fantastic. And then you hit "Creep You," mm. and I love the two closing tracks, one hundred percent. But uh, in context, "Creep You" is my least favorite song. Really. Just in context, because I adore this song. I think it's a fantastic song. But in context, it's just like, Please Be Nice feels like it's starting to wrap up the album. Uh But the beginning of Creep You just throws that off so much. But then, at the end of the album, it brings you back to that same place that Please Be Nice was at, at the end.
1: I can understand that.
0: Uh... It's really disappointing because 666 and Creep You are two of the best songs on this album. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: But if they were closer to the beginning or the middle, I think I would have enjoyed them a lot more. Uh, Because like I said, 666 has some of my favorite just like writing on the album, but just the pace of it feels so weird. It doesn't feel like a closing track to me. Um. So just overall, this is another great release from Black Dresses. uh, And unfortunately, probably their last, which sucks beyond belief, I can't even express that. Uh, But I think anyone who enjoys, or I'm just gonna go ahead and recommend this to anyone who likes the noisier side of hyper pop, like today's hyper pop, and just like anyone who feels like they resonate the most with the more abrasive bits of 100 Gex. And I know, I can imagine everyone on Rate Your Music is just comparing this to 100 Gex because they have no eye, no other <laughs> like landmark of this style of music. They're just like, oh, it right. sounds like 100 Gex. It's like- No, I was
1: going to bring up, they've, they've been kind of lumped into the recent Hyperpop way, but I think they're so they're different. Not, they're so different. They're yeah. so different,
0: but that's we don't have time to discuss we that don't, right We now. do not have time. Um, but I think- uh, I would also recommend this to anyone who just likes heavier music with some pop metal melodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, I'm just looking at those metalcore fans. Um, For sure. But the uh, um, or I'll just recommend this to any like really adventurous pop music listeners. Uh, but so uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about this. <laughs> uh, choosing a favorite track here was really hard. Uh, just because how solid the entire album is all the way through. Uh, So nothing really stands out as a favorite right off the bat. Uh, But I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and choose the track Mirror Girl because I love the way that it builds uh, and the lyrics here are just uh, really hit for me. Um, But before we hear that, we have to go ahead and give our recommendations for next week uh so i'll go ahead and start here uh griffin i'm gonna recommend you the album dragging a dead deer up a hill by grouper uh kind of uh i don't want to say avant folk but uh, a folksy ambient release is the best way to put that so you have more ambient (laughs) to look forward to next week uh (laughs) but a lot of like acoustic guitar is super spacey uh and one of my favorite grouper I'm interested in that. I I like some good, some weird
1: folk stuff. Uh, To you, I am recommending the album Strawberry Jam by the uh, group Animal Collective. Everyone knows Animal Collective, except Anthony, who's never listened to an Animal Collective (laughs) record. I'm I'm hoping to fix that (laughs) (laughs) post-haste.
0: All right. So uh, that's all we have for this episode today. Thank you for joining us. We will be more regular with these, I (laughs) promise. Next week, next Monday. Next week, next Monday, the, uh, the 14th, I believe is what that day is. Uh, so we'll see you then. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of say something nice. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and take you out here with uh, the track Mirror Girl by Black Dresses uh, here on E92 The Moose. We will see you next week. See ya. Tell me I can be anything. Tell me I can be what you want. Tell me I just have to time.